You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow us, Bright City Church, on Instagram. Today's message is from a friend of Bright City, and we know you're going to love it. And today we have a special treat for you. We were, Nick and I were talking about this week and we were trying to remember when we first met Alex. Um, and I, I had to like actually go back and look at my calendar and I realized it was in June, 2015. I had been invited to speak at a women's conference for like motherhood, which is funny in general. Um, I think I probably said like, I don't know anything. I'm not sure, like this is hard, amen. Um, but I got done teaching and I was getting ready to leave and they, everybody had broken out into like breakout sessions and I heard this woman preaching and, and teaching God's word and I literally was like leaving the conference and was like, I'm going to stay. And so I stayed and listened to her teach and I immediately was just overwhelmed with her love for God's word, her love for the people of God, her love for humanity in general. And so since then, I have tried to get under Alex Hoover's teaching whenever I can. And we invited her to come teach this Sunday. And she said, yes, thank you, God. So let's just go ahead and thank God for her right now. Thank you so much. And y'all can welcome up my friend Alex Hoover. Good morning, Bright City. Oh my gosh. Hi. I love it. I love the energy. Y'all, thank you so much for having me. I have been praying for y'all. I've been thinking about y'all, about this space. Y'all have some incredible pastors and incredible leadership here. And I know the servant leaders and volunteers are just as amazing. So just want to take a moment to thank you all for the way that you show up for this local body, for your city, for the way that you serve and the way that you love people. Um, It's evident that this is a space where God is mighty. And so just be reminded of that. This is something special, y'all. This space is something special. Y'all get to be a part of it. And I just have the blessing of hanging out with y'all today. So I'm excited to dive in. Um, Before we start, I don't think my son is in here. And this is going to be recorded. So we're going to have him listen to it a little bit later on. It is my son, my only son's birthday today. And he is turning eight. So we're going to clap for Kingston Hoover. And we're going to have him listen to this later, and he's going to be so embarrassed. But, I mean, am I doing it right if I don't shout out my only side? Like, I don't think I am. Like, if I don't do it, then it's over. Um, But we are so blessed to have that little guy in our lives. Um, I joke around and say that, like, the Lord did a copy and paste with him and I. Like, we are, it was just like copy-paste. He's a, um, a male version of me, just a little bit shorter, um, but same spirit, same spunk, and uh, dry for life. So, Lord, thank you for Kingston Hoover and how you've uh, given him to us for one more year. All right, so we are going to just, we're going to chat today. We're going to walk through some scripture. Just is not wrong. I love the Bible. I think it has everything that we need to be people um, on mission, people that live for the kingdom of God. And so I like to kind of just read from the Bible. And I'm going to walk us through a story in 1 Samuel that I'm kind of obsessed with. Um, and I'm, my hope is that today I give you all some hope to leave with. I want to I take some time to remember the goodness of Jesus. I want to take some time to remember the work of the cross. I'm going to preach Jesus to y'all because that's really all I have. That's really all I know. Um, and even though I've got some gifts here and there to be able to communicate, if I don't give Jesus to you, then I've wasted my time and your time here. Right? Amen? So um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to hang out as family. God, thank you so much, Lord. Um, Lord, thank you for the space. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people, Father. We, uh, we just give you this time. Father, reorient our hearts and our minds um, to you right now, Lord. Clear our hearts, 
clear our minds. Allow us to hear you clearly, Lord. Divide this message, Lord, up into so many different ways, God, that it will land on the hearts that need to hear it. Lord, meet us right where we are because we are in need and we have nothing and we are nothing without you. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, and the work of the cross. It's in his name that we pray. Amen? Amen, amen. So, um, I don't know about you all, but um, I am someone who is prone to forget things. I'm prone to wander. I'm prone to forget. I have a really difficult time with remembering things in general. It might be some of my ADHD that's undiagnosed. I'm not really sure. However, what I do know is that I, for the longest time, have had a problem with remembering remembering God's kindness, remembering God's goodness, spiritual amnesia, right? We can call it that if you'd like, spiritual amnesia. And I am like poster child for it. Like I was just telling my friends, I don't know how I ended up where I am today because most often than not, my husband can tell you, sometimes I'm like slightly on the verge of like leaving it all behind. I'm like, God, are you still really there? Are you still really good? Do you still really love me? Are you still really moving? Because the Oh, y'all, the, 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 there's a bend in me to consistently doubt. Mark 5, 9 is like my life scripture. I know y'all probably have really sweet ones like Romans 12, 12, Romans 8, and all, Ephesians maybe 4 or 2. Mine is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. Like the most vulnerable, the most undone verse in scripture for me is Mark 5, 9. Because of the context of the story, because of what the Father is walking through. If you've never read that story before, I encourage you to go do it. Because it really sums up the coexistence of our faith. Right, the nuance that we are both called to, to believe, and because of our flesh, we have a bent towards doubting. We're called to walk with Jesus and, and live fully for the kingdom, but also our flesh just has a tendency to kind of draw us away from him, right? And so I am that, I am, I am that human being. I am prone to wonder, prone to forgetfulness, and Mark 5, 9 will be tattooed on me somewhere on my body at some point, um, because I am prone to forgetting, but I believe, I do believe, and so we're going to talk about 1 Samuel today. And I don't know if you've ever read that story. Uh, some people are a little scared of the Old Testament. Um, I started to kind of fall in love with it when I learned to see Jesus in it. And so the sermon today is called Remembrance and Revival, Learning to See Jesus Again. And um, yeah, so a few years back, I had, um, we'll call it like a faith crisis, right? Um, I was, I was a, a new believer, still-ish, and I tell this story here and there, but for this space, I'm going to be really vulnerable with y'all. Y'all feel like a vulnerable people. If y'all go out and spread rumors about me after this, it will be over. I will find you, I promise. Okay, so I need y'all to keep it right here. So I was probably about 23 years old. My husband, Mario Hoover, is right there. He has the gift of faith. Have you ever met somebody that has the gift of faith? They're like hype on Jesus all the time. My husband is like, he will, he, we, we can borrow his faith. It's, there's so much of it. I know, but also for somebody who has Mark 5, 9 as their life first, that can, right, that can bring some contention to the marriage. Because I'm like, is God real? Demario's like, always. He's always real. He's always here. I'm like, I, don't, I can't find him. <laughs> I don't know where he's at. Um, so a few years back, um, we were going through a really difficult season, and I was in Mario's car. Um, we, I don't know. Were we married? Maybe like two years into our marriage. And um, I remember just absolutely losing my mind and hitting the dashboard of his car and saying, I just don't think that God's actually real. Like, I think this is all pretend. I think this is fake. I think I'm wasting my time. I think this is all a joke. What happens when at the end of the day, I cannot seem to find God's goodness because I can't see a trace of it in my life? Right? What happens when you can't trace God's kindness? What happens when you can't trace his goodness? What happens? Now, listen, if you 
are not someone that's ever walked through that, then, then hear me out for those of us who have a really hard time being able to trace the kindness of God. Because most often than not, what happens is in our lives, we take our circumstances and equate them to the kindness and the goodness of God, right? And so what we do is we equate our pain, right, to God's lack of goodness. We equate our hurt to God's lack of generosity. We equate our lack to God's lack of, of abundance. And so I sat in Mario's car. Remember, he's the man of faith. So I'm like borderline agnostic at this point probably. Like no lies, straight up. And so I'm in the car and Mario's probably like, I don't know, rehearsing every verse he knows in his head, reminding me that Jesus is good. And I just couldn't believe it. But here's why I think that happened and why it was so important. That was a turning point in my faith. What happened that day is I kind of had to resolve myself and ask myself, do I believe that God is good? And do I believe that God is good to me? And why do I believe that? Where have I seen God move before? Have I seen God move? See, I had to ask these really difficult questions because I couldn't borrow Mario's faith anymore. Jesus was like, hey, come on in a little bit closer. I want you to know me for who I am. I want your faith to be your own. But I needed to wrestle with every, with every pain, with every hurt, with every untouched scar in my life, with every ounce of trauma, I had to say, all right, Jesus, we're going we're gonna to give this a go. And I'm going to surrender it. I'm going to put it at your feet. I'm going to surrender it all. And if you say you are who you say you are, then teach me to see you. Teach me to see you. God, help me. Help me to have eyes to see what you call Ebenezer's, right? Ways that you've so gently and beautifully placed yourself in my life. And so 1 Samuel is going to teach us what it looks like to see Jesus in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our tension. And we're going to learn what it looks like to, to not just say we are in the midst of revival, but expect it as well before we even see it. Because if we know that God is good and we know that there are Ebenezer's, Jesus being our greatest Ebenezer, our cornerstone, if we believe that the tomb is empty, then we'll be able to walk through life with a faith that is ours, with a resolve of knowing that God is good and holding on to Mark 5, 9, because we're human, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So y'all open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel 7. If you do not know about my friend uh, Samuel, I will tell you just a little bit about him. I could spend hours unpacking his life story because I just think it's so interesting how the Lord threads things together. But Samuel's life is important for us, and, he, and here's why, because... All the way from Hannah. Y'all know about Hannah. Y'all heard of Hannah before? Hannah is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite women in scripture. We don't get to talk about her much, but we should because that woman's faith was everything. And the woman's faith was what allowed for Samuel, right, who then brought us David, who then brought us who? Jesus, right? You see that thread there? It's so important. Brought us Jesus. It was her faith and her resolve in the midst of her pain. So we'll start at Hannah, right, for the sake of time. Hannah brings us Samuel, right? Sam, we find Samuel um, in this chapter of, of the Bible in the midst of, of, of a revival, right? The people, the Israelites have been in an oppression for probably at this point over 22 years or so, right? And so they have seen the wilderness, they have experienced it, they've had lack, they've doubted. Sounds a lot like you and I, right? On this other side of heaven. And so the Israelites at this point are not just doubting God, but they've given up their God and have began to worship other gods. 
idolatry became the source of their worship for all the things that looked like were actually God. So money, fame, prestige, power, right? Any other God that could bring them what only their God, Yahweh, should and could, um, they gave up. And so real quick uh, history story here. God up to this point, y'all, had literally parted the Red Sea for them. Had literally actually thrown, imagine God like throwing manna right here. Like straight up, y'all, like we can't make this up. God was like, I'm, I'm going to give y'all some food from the heavens. And then the Israelites said, still not good enough. Actually, still don't actually believe in you. He's like, fine, I'll part the Red Sea. Israelites were like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be enough. And so those are our friends. And we, y'all, are the Israelites. It's actually who we are, right? We just, it just fleshes out differently for us. Right? It looks different in our day-to-day depending on your context and what you think and how you view God. And so Samuel is over the Israelites at this point. And, and God's kind of invited him into this position in the kingdom where he said, I need you to bring my people out of oppression. Right? I'm going to give you some favor. I'm going to allow you to get the Ark of the Covenant back. And so there's a lot going on here that God's activity is wild. But their inability to see is what keeps them from moving. I'm going to say it again. God's activity was wildly evident in the life of the Israelites. It was their inability to see it, right? And so the Israelites have seen the movement of God. They have countless Ebenezers, countless. I'm like, Lord, give me like two like theirs, like part some somebody see, Lord, right? Just give me one. And so he was generous and gracious. And what's funny is in the context of the Old Testament, the Israelites kind of talked about God in a, in a way where um, he was like a narcissist to them. Right, like he, he, they almost saw God as like a, a, a God who would give and take whenever he felt like it. A God who had the, kind of the iron fist over them, right? And so they missed seeing God as a father. We miss seeing God as our father, right? We miss seeing Jesus in the way that he moves. And so then, you know, as I was reading, I'm like, well, it just sounds like the Israelites just had a really terrible case of spiritual amnesia. Straight up, like they had just forgotten They had just forgotten who Yahweh was. And they reached for the closest thing that brought some sort of remembrance to who they thought God was. Golden calves, more jobs, idolatry, sexual immorality, you name it, they went after it. Because they were looking for just a piece of what Yahweh could only give them. And so I'm going to start reading. Go to uh, 1 Samuel 7. I'm going to start at verse, let's do 30. Actually, we'll start at... uh, Yeah. Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. They turned back to the Lord. That's important. Repentance precedes revival every single time. Repentance and revival. Two sides of the same coin. So Samuel said to all the Israelites, if you are returning, which they did, to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Asherites and and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. Mm. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites... Put away their balls and their asserts and then serve the Lord only. Those are their idols, right? We all have those. We are the Israelites. I'll keep saying that we all have our idols, right? That we try to be the very thing that God only can be. Then Samuel said, assemble all of Mizpah and I will intercede with the Lord for you. I will intercede with the Lord for you. Y'all, that's so important and here's why. Because as we see Samuel flesh out this walk, and we're going to get there. I know we're in a little bit of a tension in the story, but we're going to get to this place of beauty and hope. So they're in the midst of revival at this point. And God sends Samuel 
right, as a reminder that he was still good in their lives. That person and that being and that God to us is Jesus. And I think we miss that, right? Jesus is the greater Samuel. Jesus is the greater Moses. Jesus is the greater David. Jesus is the greater et cetera, you name it. We have Jesus as our reminder, as our Ebenezer. What happens is we lose sight, right, of who God is in our lives. Which then brings me to the next question is, have we ever really known God for ourselves to even remember God? To remember something, you have to know something. So unless we've forgotten, right, then maybe we've never really known him. Which I think was a part of our Israelites, right, the, our friends, the Israelites. I think that was a part of their tension, right, that they really did not know Yahweh. They didn't experience God. They didn't know God. They just knew of God and they wanted God's blessings. And so they treated God as, as a genie in a bottle, a transactional God of a sorts, right? But Jesus, y'all, Jesus, this is, this is a foreshadow of Jesus in our lives. He doesn't operate that way. He has so much for us. So point number one is God sees us. All throughout our lives, there has been a thread of God's kindness. There isn't a moment in time that God hasn't had his eyes of love on you, of his compassion for you, and of his grace to you. There are so many times in scripture where we see Samuel go before the Israelites as Jesus goes before us. See, I think we skip, we read over that so quickly that we miss the intentionality here. God literally said, Samuel, I'm going to send you to be, prote to be a protection, to be my grace, to be my compassion, to be my redemption, my revival for these people. You and I, right, as the hands and feet of Jesus are walking reminders of the grace of God and of the compassion of God. Right, but it takes us knowing God and learning to see God. What are we allowing to mark our faith? And here's what I mean by that. I think the reason that Samuel was able to walk this mission out, set before him, this mission of reminding the Israelites and showing them who God was, was because he allowed his faith to be marked by God's character and not his circumstances. Right? Samuel's life was not tidy or neat or even good at times. And so then, that for me, when I read it, it says, well, Alex, if I'm called to live a life of mission, if we're called to be kingdom people, mission-minded people, what are we allowing to mark our faith? Right, and amen, baby. And if we're doing that, if we're allowing God to be the marker of our faith, then our circumstances, right, when we're in the midst of battle, when we're enduring seasons of, of, of lack, right, and of drought and of pain and of hurt, what are we allowing to be the thing that marks our faith? I believe Samuel has something important to say to us about that here because as he went before the Israelites to bring about protection and restoration and redemption, Samuel still was carrying his own pain, right? He was still in the midst of battle, yet he knew the God he was serving was better than what was going on around him and more important and more capable, and so he went for, before the uh, Israelites and the Philistines and brought about exactly what God had called him to do. And then Samuel does something really beautiful. I'm going to keep reading. So verse uh, 8. Then they said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. Every time I read this, I'm going to point Jesus out to you. 
God sent his son Jesus. This is the gospel here and now. God sent his son Jesus to die for you and I so that we could have eternal life, so we could experience the entirety of abundant life on this side of heaven. And so when God says to Samuel, go out, bring a sacrifice, right? G give them everything you've got so that I can redeem and, and, and restore my people, the Israelites. What Jesus done, did for us at this point, for you and I today, is say you no longer have to sacrifice anything else. I've already sacrificed enough for you. That's the good news. And so what we see in 1 Samuel is a foreshadow of what it looks like for us to be living stones, right, in the midst of battle, being the covering for this generation, being the ones that walk around as, as mission people, as kingdom people, right, while also in learning to remember that God has already done enough for us. And because of that, we get to be kingdom people who live the mission of Jesus out because we remember God. We remember what he's done. See, the thing is that as we remember the grace of God, we become the grace of God. As we remember the mercy of God, we become the mercy of God. As we remember the compassion of God, we become the compassion of God. As we remember the forgiveness of God, we become what? The forgiveness of God. As we remember, listen, y'all, this is so important. As we remember the redemption, we become the redemption stories. Right, as we remember the revival that God has brought us in and out of, we then become revival uh, hope dealers. Yeah. Right, we bring about revival to people. And so then maybe it's just that we've forgotten. Right, I always say this um, to basically anybody that will listen. And since y'all are here, I'm going to say it to y'all. Eyes up. Reorient yourselves. Reorient your heart. Reorient your mind. Because it's not a lack of God's presence. It's a lack of orientation and our ability to see him move in and through our lives. Right? It's not a lack of God's kindness. And I know that sometimes we don't believe it. But we resolve to mark our faith what God has already done on the cross. Then our circumstances in our day to day. So we're going to take a moment and think about that exact thing right now. Is the cross enough for you? Is what Jesus did on the cross enough for you? Is the blood shed enough for you to remember God's grace and compassion? And if today you're like, Alex, I don't know. That's okay. Mark 5, 9. Right? There's enough grace to doubt. There's enough grace to wrestle. But what I'm doing is I'm inviting you into it because we've got to be able to wrestle this out with the Lord. Right? To remember something, we've got to know something. Right, so I want us to know God. I want us to learn to see Jesus. I want, to I want us to learn to see the story, the thread of God's kindness in our lives, all the way back to Genesis, all the way from the very beginning of time. How has Jesus moved in your life? And if you're saying, Alex, I'm not really sure. I haven't really seen him move. Then I want to I suggest this one thing. If you're, if you're in the midst of a, of a season where you're like, I have not seen God's activity, he might not even be real. Is the empty tomb enough for us? Could that maybe be our greatest Ebenezer? Could the cornerstone be the one reminder we just actually need to keep going? Could that be it? And if so, and if so, when we are, when we're thrown into battle and when things happen and when we're called to serve and mission and, and when God is inviting us into a season of healing, then we can remember that the cornerstone is actually all that we need and all that we've ever wanted. 
learning to see God's activity is everything, and learning to see Jesus is key. All right, let's keep reading. So at this point, uh, Samuel is in the midst of, of battle. He's prayed. He's, he's invited the presence and power of God over the people. The Philistines flee in Jesus' name, right? So the Philistines flee after 20-something years of oppression for the Israelites. They, all, they were tired. Y'all tired? Y'all just like over the trauma and the pain? Are y'all over the, uh, the conflict? Are y'all over the exhaustion that we're walking through collectively? Are you over the fact that you have not found healing yet? And you're just asking God, man, where's my healing coming? And I don't know who this is for, but last night at 12.05 at night, I was up a.m. I don't know why, but this is who I am. So I was up at 12.05, and I, I was praying and, and just asking the Lord to just meet us today. And he gave me a word for someone in here. And I, and I wrote it down in my notes because it's just, again, it's who I am. I should have put it here, but then, yeah, it would have been too much. So wrote it down in my notes. And um, this is what he said to me. He said, and, and it's a lot for me too. We ask questions like, well, God, when is healing going to come? God, when is healing going to come? When, when is revival going to come? When is redemption? Because we're, when we're in the midst of something, we're in, when we're in the middle, it's hard for us to see God's outer, right? And, and we're, it's hard for us to see what he's doing from the inside out. And so whoever this is for, this is what I wrote down. I'm going to read it because it, so, it was so simple, but it was so sweet. I wrote down, um, God, when is my healing coming? When is my revival coming? And his simple response was, it's here right now. It's here, right now, right now. You don't have to go look for it. You don't have to go find it. It's here today because his name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And so I sat and wept in my bed because, wow, conviction. He was abrasive with that one. I said, sir, God, wait. (laughs) That's a little too much. Um, And so I cried because I think, again, we forget that we don't have to go look for something. He's already here. And that healing is already ours to have. And that his name is Jesus. And so as we see our friend Samuel uh, inviting the Israelites um, into the space of healing is now, redemption is now, revival is now, the Israelites then begin to turn back. Because all of a sudden our friends have remembered, they've reoriented their gaze, and they now see the kindness and the grace of God again. They had just forgotten they had just forgotten. And this is the story of the Israelites day in, day out. A, forget, a forgetful people, a people prone to wander, you and I. Right? And then we get to uh, point two, which is, so the first one is God sees us, 1 Samuel 7, 2 through 5. Uh, point number two is God remembers and fights for us. 1 Samuel 7, 5 through 9. We just did that where Samuel then goes on behalf of the Israelites uh, and sacrifices uh, the lamb and uh, the calf for their sin and for their redemption. And then uh, point number three, God carries us. Right, so the Philistines uh, withdraw. They're shaken up because now they see that Yahweh, the God of, you know, heavens and earth um, now is protecting the Israelites again. So they, they leave because they're like, no, we can't come up against God. You know, y'all know who Yahweh is? Like what? So they leave. Uh, the men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines. Okay, this is really funny. Hold on. When the Israelites remembered who God was, they were almost like flexed on the Philistines. They were like, yeah, you know who my God is? And that, I mean, like, but do y'all ever do that? Like, I don't know. Listen, like when, you, like, when God does something, like, nice for you, you're like, yep, God is real. Thank you so much. Amen. You come in here on Sunday like hype. You're like, God is good. God is real. He came through. He is a miracle. You know, uh, what is it? A miracle. What's the song? Waymaker, miracle worker. We sing it. We play it everywhere until God doesn't. 
And then we're like, God doesn't love me. <laughs> He's probably not who he says he is. And we come in here like, I don't know. I think God might have missed out on me. So this is what happens here. So the Israelites, y'all need to remember, the Israelites were like angry at the Lord. Because they felt like he was not moving on their behalf. Right? But then Samuel is sent. There's a miracle. And the Israelites were like, that's right. That's Yahweh. I worship him. Nobody else. That's my one God. I know God's probably like, LOL, all the, all the calves on the side of the street for them. But they were like, don't look at that. This is who I am. I love Yahweh. That's literally me. No? Just like us? Everybody? This is who I am. That is the impersonation of Alexander Hoover right there. Uh-huh. And so the, uh, the Israelites then, okay, so the Israelites are all puffed up in the Lord, which fine, I guess. So they're, they're excited. They see God move in their life, right? They see God's activity. Then they remember, God actually does love us. He actually is good. They run after the Philistines. The Philistines, the Philistines are all scared. They leave. It's great. Hallelujah. Um, then verse 12. This is my favorite part. So important. Then Samuel took a stone. And he set it up between Mizpah and Shen. So much historically there. Take some time to read it. It's so important. He named it Ebenezer, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. Liberation, redemption, and reconciliation. Write that down. Liberation, redemption, and reconciliation. That was the story of the Israelites in this particular season. And it's our story as the people of God. Liberation. Redemption and reconciliation. God has freed us, right, from the penalty of sin. He's freed us. We've been liberated. He's redeeming us, right? He is making us a whole people, a new people, a Jesus people. And then he reconciles us, not only to himself, but to people, right? And so there's something beautiful that's happening here. I don't want you to just focus on, on yourselves because the Israelites in this particular part of scripture, it's all very communal what's happening, right? And so there is a communal redemption. Your redemption is not just for you, it's for your people. Your revival is for your people, your community, your family, right? And so as the Israelites are freed and liberated, God is then saying, go and be and do the same. Go free, go liberate, go reconcile, See, God's kindness to us is meant to be an overflow to those around us. And so as much as I've talked about our relationship with the Lord and our, our specific, the, the, the beautiful oneness that comes in a relationship, that's important. But I can't, I can't close today without mentioning this communal piece that's so important to the kingdom of God, right? And why, why it is that God did what he did in this space. The Lord went out of his way to show the Israelites his kindness so that they could then go out and remind the others who'd forgotten that God was still good. That God was still good. That he had made a way. That he'd provided a way. And when some of the Israelites forgot, the others would what? Remind them. Right? When one caught amnesia, you had another one say, hey, do you remember what happened in 1 Samuel 7, 12? When the Philistines came to overtake us, but then God sent Samuel and there was this wild revival that happened and we repented and the people of God came back and it was beautiful. Do you remember that? Do you remember the way God moved? Do you remember the way God met us? Do you remember the way God healed us? Do you remember? We are called to be a people of remembrance. We are called to be a people of resolve, even when we don't feel it, especially when we don't feel it. And when we forget, we look to the empty tomb. 
See, this, this verse, verse 12, is so powerful because Samuel taking a stone and putting it up was what God did with Jesus, our cornerstone. Do you understand that? It's so important here. Jesus is called our cornerstone. We are called living stones. 1 Peter 2.8, we are living stones, a chip off the old block of the cornerstone used to build the foundations of the earth. And so if we are living stones, right, a piece of the cornerstone, then this stone in verse 12 that serves as a reminder means that you and I are reminders of God's grace. That's what that means, that your life serves a purpose for God's grace, that your story matters, that you as living stones represent a part of something greater, the cornerstone's plan, the foundation layer, right, the builder, the creator, And so you and I are the ones that walk around as stones, building up, physically building up the kingdom of God with our remembrance, with our compassion, with our forgiveness, with our grace, with our love. And then we get to bring our people along and we forget and we get to say, hey, do you remember when God met you? Do you remember the day? Today is an Ebenezer in your life. This moment is an Ebenezer. This is God meeting you in your story and us figuring out how we play a role in his Right? If you have a hard time reconciling the kindness of God, look at today and look at the way he's meeting you now. If you feel like maybe God has not loved you, today is where you take the moment to remember that from the very beginning of time, God set out to rescue you. You. Yes, you. And if we lived with that, if we lived, if we lived with that, y'all, being the very essence of, of where our faith lies, then when we forget about God, we can look back and say, man, listen, I, I've resolved to believe that, I, that from Genesis 3, God called me good. And that the, then he asked Abraham to, you know, to have a family of many nations. And that from Abraham, he sent Hannah. And then there was Hannah, and then there was Moses, and Samuel, and David, and all lead us to Jesus. And because of Jesus, we get to be living stones. Right? We get to be living stones. This stone that Samuel is talking about is you and I. It's wild, right? A con- that concept is, it blows my mind. I'd always thought about Ebenezer as actually being something like a tangible reminder, which is true, right? There are things in my life that do serve as practical and tangible reminders. I love them. I thank God when I see them. When he sends me a ladybug, I'm like, Lord, thank you. You love me. When I see them somewhere, I know it's from him. I might have made that up. I don't care. <laughs> it works. It serves. They come up at the right place, right? But then also, I have my family of God. Like, I have y'all that serve as actual reminders of the kindness and grace and compassion of the Father. Like y'all, each and every one of you are the greatest reminders for me that God is actually who he says he is. Because this is revival in the mundane, in the midst of our lives. This is the kingdom of God. And when I see you, I see him. And when people look at you, they see him. Right? That is our greatest treasure. And then he ends this up, right? They they end... um, this moment of revival for the Israelites uh, with this one verse, which is incredible. And it says, he named it Ebenezer saying, thus far, the Lord has helped us. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. We have to learn to trust God's heart when we can't trace God's hand. We have to learn to trust God's heart when we cannot trace his hand. Right? Not that God won't bring about reminders. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is as we grow, as we, as we grow deeper roots in the faith, as, as opposition comes, 
as seasons that feel endless come about, when there's darkness, when there's oppression, when there's wilderness after wilderness after wilderness, when there's no healing, when God seems to not be in sight, and you've looked everywhere for him but cannot seem to find him. Let me go back to this verse, right? We go back and we, and we say, the Lord has brought us this far. The Lord's brought us this far. The Lord's brought us this far and I've got a cornerstone. I've got an empty tomb that tells me so. I've got an empty tomb that tells me so if nothing else does. If nothing else does. I'm gonna uh, invite our worship team to come up and just, um, I wanna spend a few minutes praying over you all um, and just giving you a word, um, just a word of revival, right? I think oftentimes we hear revival and, and um, I don't know, for me for a while, it almost felt like ethereal, right? Like I don't know if revival is actually ours to have. I don't know what it looks like. Revival here um, is very demonstrative, right? So you've got like 20,000 soldiers dying and people like being physically liberated. I'm like, I don't, I want that, Lord. Like, give me something like that. And so today I want to spend some time talking about what that looks like. I want to close us out with an invitation to learn to see Jesus again because that's our revival. That's our revival. Maybe you've forgotten what Jesus looks like in your life. Maybe you've lost sight of Jesus. Can I reorient your gaze upward? Can I reorient your gaze to the empty tomb? Can I reorient your gaze to a moment of revival with Jesus? See, revival is as simple as us allowing Jesus to meet us. All that happened in 1 Samuel was that they allowed Jesus to meet them. Right? It wasn't anything special. It was just God's presence. And if we are living stones, that means that we are now the dwelling place of the Lord. And if you are the dwelling place of the Lord, then you are a walking, talking, living, breathing story of revival. Literally, your life, your life is a life of revival, right? Everything that you touch, everything that you touch, every word that you speak is one of revival. Why? Because the power of Christ lives in you, because you are a living stone. You're a chip off the old block of the cornerstone. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you that you are our cornerstone. God, we thank you that when we lose sight of your hand, we can trust your heart. We thank you that we can utter verses like 1 Samuel 7, 12 and say, you brought us this far and look to your cornerstone as the reminder that you are who you say you are, even when we cannot feel it and even when we cannot see it, Lord. God, we come before you wildly undone, Lord, with doubts, with tensions, Lord, but we're a people that are hopeful too. We hold the tension so well, Lord. And Father, in this moment, we just ask, Lord, that you remind us to have eyes to see you, to have eyes to be the hands and the feet, Lord. Remind us what it is to be a kingdom people, Lord. Remind us, God, that you live in us, Lord. Remind us that you're healing. Remind us that you're moving. Remind us that you are, are enough, Lord. Engrave it in the depths of who we are so that when we lose sight, when we lose sight of you and we think you're not moving, the Holy Spirit will draw quickening and remind us that it's just our inability to see it, that you are who you say you are and you've brought us this far and you will not leave us here. 
you will keep us going. Lord, I pray a special blessing over this, of this home, over these hearts, Lord, and here for those who are looking for healing. Remind them that you are here now, that you are the healer. They don't have to go find it. Lord, I pray for those right now in the room who may not know you. God, I pray that you use this as an Ebenezer in their lives, a tangible and practical way that you've met them. Lord, I pray for those who are doubting, who have, who have yet to see your grace in a way that they can palatably feel it, Lord, or taste it or see it, Lord. God, I pray for some supernatural quickening in them, Lord. I pray for a supernatural awakening of their eyes, of their hearts, Lord. And that this moment would be yet again another Ebenezer to remind them that you've brought them this far, that you are moving and that you are who you say you are. And I pray for all of our hearts, God, as we continue to be kingdom people, that we have eyes to, to see you, that we may learn to see you in your ways, God, so that we can become more like you. Because Jesus, you are the prize and you are the goal. Oh, Lord, we love you and we thank you because you are good. And without you, without you, Lord, we're hopeless people. But with you, we're hope-filled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening into Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.